0: Hello and welcome everyone to Fast Charge episode 62, been going for a while. Uh, I am your host Dom, I am joined as ever by Toddy and our producer Lewis, and then our extra special fourth guest today is Chris Martin, who is here to... Break down the OnePlus Watch. I said last week we would talk about that. Chris has been testing it, so we're going to get his thoughts. Uh, I'm accidentally doing this in reverse order, so before we talk about the OnePlus Watch, I will talk about the Huawei Mate X2, which I have also been testing for a week. Unfortunately, it left my flat yesterday, so I don't have it here with me, but we've got some photos for people who are on the YouTube. uh, And we my, My thoughts after seven days with Huawei's ludicrous and ludicrously expensive Foldable phone. And then before all of that, we are obviously going to talk about Apple. Uh, we had Apple's Spring event this week, the first Apple event and then first Apple launch of 2021, I believe. Uh, we got a whole range of stuff. I think our main interest today is that iPad Pro packing the M1 chip because that is really interesting in a few different ways. But obviously they also launched iMac, AirTags, uh updated Apple TV. And a purple iPhone, I actually do quite want because I really like purple oh. phones. <laughs> uh, before all that, what else has been happening in the uh, the week in tech? One thing is today, Realme announced that the, the pricing and actual release dates for the Realme 8 in Europe and unveiled the Realme 8 5G, also for Europe. Uh, they, they also got announced, the 5G got announced in India too. Confusingly, it got announced in Thailand yesterday. So Realme kind of spoiled its own launch by 24 hours. I still don't understand how tech brands keep doing it to themselves, but they did. Anyway, uh, Realme 8 5G and the Realme 8 are both 199 euros, which is interesting. So you're not paying anything extra for the 5G, uh, but it does get some spec downgrades in other areas. The camera is a bit of a lower resolution. Charging is a bit slower, it's a different chipset, and you get LCD rather than AMOLED on the display. So there's a bit of a trade-off there to get 5G hitting the same price. But at €199, Euros, that puts it right in that bracket, of right at the very, very, very cheap end of 5G phones. Joining it, in the UK at least, uh, Oppo actually unveiled a trio of cheap 5G phones just uh, this week. We got the Oppo A54, A74, and A94. Uh, These have all been unveiled globally beforehand, I believe. But today they announced they are coming to the UK, and I believe a wider European launch going on as well, uh, for the UK at least. These are all 5G phones, all three of them, and they're all below 300 pounds. They also all have 48 megapixel quad cameras. Um, What you're basically seeing is the display quality and the charging speed changes across the range. And uh, the point of uh, clarification oh, there away. is that Oppo
1: being Oppo um it's the A50 like 54 74 with 5G on the end if you take away the 5G it's actually a different <laughs> phone just like they did with the Reno oh. series in different markets so the A54 Sorry. and the A54 5G are two different phones of course they are it made making the headline for the story very challenging of course
0: <laughs> yeah thank you Oppo um for making a fool out of me live on air <laughs> um Anyway, more and more, more cheap 5G phones, uh, and I cannot wait for the day when they just have 5G and there isn't a 5G version, and we don't have to yes. stress about this. Uh, moving on from phones, couple bits of wearable news. This week saw the latest Fitbit, the Fitbit Lux. A um, couple claims to fame for this one. This is the first color screen on a Fitbit tracker, as yeah. opposed to a Fitbit smartwatch. Uh, where they've had color screen smartwatches, but the ones that are just like trackers, kind of rectangular and like uh, limited smart features. This is the first one of those with a color display. Um, it's also got a few of the health features that had previously been smartwatch only, like the stress tracking. It's got like the proper stress tracking that you'll find in the Sense and the Versa 3 and stuff like that. Uh, simultaneously, they actually rolled out a more basic stress tracking across the whole Fitbit range. Basically, everything with a heart rate sensor now will do some stress tracking for a Fitbit. Uh, with the very small caveat that you have to be paying for Fitbit Premium to take advantage of the data. So you can get stress tracking but on an old Fitbit, but only if you're willing to pay for their sub. Uh, other wearable, the Red Magic Watch uh, has launched globally today for £89, $99, €99. If you don't remember this, this is the slightly odd... Smartwatch from Red Magic, we spoke about the Red Magic 6 last week, they're part of Nubia, they're a gaming phone brand. Smartwatch felt like an odd pivot, um, especially because the main like USP of this smartwatch is it will generate a heat map of where you've played in a match of football, or soccer, if you prefer. Um, beyond the FIFA games being quite popular, I have no idea what the <laughs> gaming connection is there. Uh, But yeah, there you go. If you play a lot of football and want a cheap smartwatch, it's there. It exists now. You can go buy one. Uh, And then finally, away from actual products and into a little bit chipset news, uh, rumors have begun to circulate. It's not official yet. that MediaTek is ready with a four nanometer chipset. Uh, This would be the first for a smartphone. Uh, We've always had five nanometer, but we have only on the first gen of five nanometer chips pretty much. Um, apparently Mediatek is ready with four nanometer for next year Um, but they're kind of ready enough that they've already had orders come in from some of the big Chinese manufacturers and stuff like that Um, this is all part of Mediatek being quite bullish right now Uh, last year we've mentioned before on the pod they became the number one chipset manufacturer by shipments in the world they overtook Qualcomm for the first time um, and they're now being quite bold about saying they're number one in all these various Asia markets. They're now looking at the U.S. more. They want to get uh, into the West, in, into Western phones, into American phones. Uh, and I guess they probably think this four nanometer chip, putting them more firmly in the flagship space might help them do that. So from one chipset manufacturer to another chipset manufacturer, Apple, who didn't used to be, but hmm. kind of are now, uh, at least for their laptops. Um, and... They made the curious move this week with the iPad Pro, which always comes with sort of a chipset launch. There's always a fancy version of a chip for the iPad Pro. So we were expecting the iPad Pro to be unveiled alongside the A14X or the A14Z, uh, some souped up version of the iPhone 12 chip. Uh, Instead, Apple just turned around and said, we've already got that. It's the M1. It's that chip we put in our Macs last year. We'll just throw that in an iPad instead. So we have two new iPad Pros, 11 inch and 12.9 inch. Both powered by the same chipset you'll find in the MacBook Pro, the MacBook Air, or the new iMacs, which they also unveiled. We'll talk about the iMacs in a bit. I think we'll do a quick run through of everything else Apple, Apple announced. But really, it's the iPads that are the most interesting thing. Um, how much does the chip make a difference, Lewis?
2: Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, on the Mac... It was it was uh, you know a pretty big thing when it came along because Intel's kind of slow with their ten nanome- ten nanometer chip and obviously Apple's coming with the five nanometer so it's going to be a lot more efficient and a lot more powerful, um, and I mean you know the chipset chip from last year's iPad Pro was was blisteringly fast anyway so I can't really see how much more powerful it can get to a noticeable level. Um, if you know what I mean. So, are you, are you you know, well, I'm expecting quicker rendering times when you're editing video and stuff like that. But in terms of general use, I don't think it's, it can get much faster, uh, you know, just scrolling around.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It feels a bit like there's a software cap here yeah. that um, we've spoken about before, even in terms of phones and stuff like that, that chips are getting faster and faster. But other than gaming, how far do they really actually get pushed? Um, the iPad Pro, obviously, people do use for, uh, you know photo and video work. And so there was is, there is rendering elements where this will make a difference. Yeah. Apple was pretty bullish. This is like a 50% faster CPU and 40% faster GPU compared to the last gen of iPad Pro. So they think it will make a big difference. I still feel like just the nature of the iPad versions of all the software is really going to cap that performance on a practical level. I have a
1: suspicion which is with um when they introduced the M1 MacBook last year uh most of the conversation obviously they talked about you know just how much compute power it offers but also a lot of the conversation was about how well you know it can run uh emulated um iOS
0: stuff or, or you that Intel well, stuff Well that that yeah Intel yep.
1: stuff and iOS stuff both yep. both you know the fact it could run iOS stuff uh, kind of yep. natively i guess now um I'm now expecting the stage to be set for the inverse of that. Come the next WWDC, when we hear about the next version of iOS, they will have an environment for Mac apps to run on the mm. iPad. And that is, that's, that's what this year is about. It's about that, that crossover. So this iPad is the iPad to kind of showcase that hardware wise. Then we just now are waiting for that software to come in and then that's it. We finally kind of crossed the stream. But, like, well. yeah, it, they're I, so close, but they're not quite there.
2: This is the thing <laughs> where Apple was still like, we're not doing touchscreen on Mac OS. We're not doing this and that. And it's
1: just like, <laughs> but you have that now. That is the iPad. Yeah. So, I mean. It's the kind of thing they might gate it behind like the magic keyboard accessory yeah. for the iPad Pro. Yeah. So like you can use them, but only if you have the keyboard and the touchscreen <laughs> won't work whilst you're using Mac apps on your iPad or something ridiculous yeah, 100%. like that. I could see that happening.
0: <laughs> i mean that's the thing once you've got an iPad pro with a 12.9 inch display and a laptop chip and you pair it with a magic keyboard which has a keyboard and this trackpad and all this, it's like this this is now a laptop functionally yeah. just let it run your laptop software um yeah i i, I have to believe that's what they're going to do i know we're not the only people to say that but surely wwdc is going to be some form of mac os apps running on ipads i've seen some people hoping for actually like running mac os on an ipad and like dual booting i i that feels a bit fantasist yeah. But I, I agree, creating some sort of software environment to let you run macOS yeah. versions. Saying that, there, there has uh, been whispers apps. about
2: um, Final Cut Pro X coming to the iPad Pro, obviously the macOS mm. version uh, and Logic and stuff like that. So that would coincide with this M1 inclusion, I suppose.
1: Do you mean as. So iPad would be, apps apps yeah, they, they would be, well, yeah.
2: They would basically be the same as the mac uh, apps, just kind of optimized for touchscreen. So right. I don't know how. Yeah.
1: Can we talk about the screen? Because I think the screen is, at least on the 12.9-inch model, kind of a big deal in its own right from a hardware perspective.
0: Yeah, that? so that's the other the other big hardware shift, is that then the 12.9-inch model, but not the 11-inch, has a new display tech, which um, is using mini-LED technology, and Apple basically says it gets the same picture quality as its super fancy, pro-level separate monitor, which costs thousands to buy. Um, I mean, we have to see one in person to know if that's true, but mini-LED is legit. Uh, Chris, you're probably the best suited of any of
3: us to explain what the hell mini-LED is. Yep. So... I mean, sort of as the name suggests, it's a it's an LED, but it's mini, and uh, <laughs> and that's it. That's mini LED, things, everyone. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I you just professional <laughs> advice there. You, you screw them into <laughs> the iPad. <laughs> yeah, basically, just I think on average, like um, they're sort of forty uh, percent smaller than normal LEDs. Mm-hmm. So it depends who makes them, but it basically means you can fit thousands in behind the screen rather than uh, like. A handful. Basically, the previous iPad had seventy-two LEDs, I think they said, and now it's got mm. like over seventy thousand. <laughs> Basically, it gives you. It's, it's like having higher resolution, but in a backlight. Yeah. Um. So like more pixels, more resolution, more dimming LEDs. Yeah. So moments. you have loads and loads of LEDs lighting the screen, which means you can control each one individually. Um. Separate those into yeah local dis- dimming zones, which think they said over 2500 um so that's a lot of control over quite a small screen like um you know even basically we're talking like big screen tv tech in an ipad now um you know most most tvs coming out this year don't even use mini led and sort of don't have that many dimming zones either so um it, it basically improves things like contrast and then you're going to reduce effects like blooming and um, so like when when something moves across the screen and the light has to follow it it's going to do it much more accurately with all those little leds rather than just moving between a few
1: they mentioned the contrast ratio being like a million to one which is a contrast ratio i'm used to hearing with oled displays mm-hmm. not really any led tech before so is that yeah. Inherently, a benefit of moving to mini LED is just you have that much more contrast, yeah. because of the way the backlights are localized much more tightly. Is that right?
3: Yeah, you've basically got similar to OLED quality without using wow. OLED, yeah, so you get sort of the best of both worlds. Uh,
1: Shrey has made a good point in that does it use more power? Uh, I don't, I haven't really seen much mini LED tech firsthand or, or kind of seen any comparisons, but I'd be curious to know whether. An OLED would be more power efficient because obviously it doesn't have to turn anything on uh, in the dark areas. Yeah, I'd say. So. Yeah,
0: I, I was I just, as I saw that comment come in, I was trying to look and get hmm. on the specs sheet on the Apple website. I mean, they tout the same battery life for the two models, um, but that doesn't tell you a lot because it's a much bigger battery in the 12.9. <laughs> 12.9, <as> well, <laughs> 12.9 inches so we don't know whether they've.
2: Thicker this time as well.
0: Yes. Is it? So the 12.9 inch is half a millimeter thicker. Um, I think that's more the display tech that's doing that
3: than the battery. It's also heavier, but again, because of more tech.
0: Um,
1: And I don't, is it the first time or was it already the case that the battery in the iPad Pro is bigger than the MacBook Air or the MacBook? One of the MacBooks. It's like a bigger battery. I didn't realize that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure about the power consumption. It's not really talked about, uh, I mean, I, I cover mini LED mostly on you know TVs so far, hmm. but um, where obviously you don't it's plugged have to worry about it so much. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really have to. Like nobody really cares how much power the TV's using. Um, but yeah, I did. I, I one of the things I thought was odd with that Apple pretty much always does is they never up the battery life of their iPads and, and hmm. stuff. It's always just like yeah, ten hours, ten hours yep. every year, ten hours. It's like but you're pushing these like architectures and the processes of these chips where's the where's the efficiency boost but they always just seem to you know put it through the same formula so that it comes out the same which is a bit of a shame i mean
2: that's a good point because the macbooks last kind of 17 18 19 hours um and if they're running the same chipset and they've got a similar size display then where is that going
3: yeah and where's and if it's got a bigger battery Mm. yeah (laughs) The thing
1: that I thought was evident was in yeah. all of the kind of promotional imagery they were showing during the presentation, the iPad was almost like, especially when it was like editing iMovie footage with a secondary monitor. So they were always in situations where it was like on a desk, in an office oh, yeah. or at home. They were you know, previously when like they first saw like, here's the magic keyboard or here's the Apple Pencil with the first iPad Pro, they were like, here it is in a, in a you know, in a park, you're <laughs> illustrating wonderfully. Yeah. Whereas now it's all where you'd probably plug it in anyway so they're kind of i think trying to imply that without saying it outright that yeah maybe the maybe maybe i'm reading into it but i did notice the way they set the ipad up in this particular presentation felt much more like you know everyone's at home i mean
0: that may also partly be a nod to one of the other things that they put in which is thunderbolt and usb4 support which yes, is also a big deal huge one. because suddenly that I'm just going to lift the terminology from their presentation, to be honest, but it, it allows the iPad Pro to fit into a lot more workflows because suddenly it opens up loads of different external monitor support and external GPU and uh, docks and peripherals and things like that that require Thunderbolt. So suddenly there's a lot of other bits of tech that will now connect to an iPad Pro that wouldn't have nicely done that before. Um, and continues
1: to further shame the Lightning port <laughs> on every other <laughs> Apple yes, Mobile yeah. device. And- and everything
0: <laughs> but again all of that is only a benefit if the way you use an ipad pro is you plonk it down on a desk and plug it exactly. into a monitor or plug it into a gpu or, or that kind of thing if that's the way you might use an ipad pro great But again it just feel, does feel like it's more that kind of static office um or home office product uh, in a way it might make sense again going back to more people doing like part-time work in offices and stuff hot desk and things like that is going to go up so again this idea of Powerful computing unit you grab with you and move between work environments. It's going to be more and more important. I mean, I I I'm
2: yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan of the Apple. iPad Pro Magic Keyboard combo. Like I've I've been using it since. So obviously the Magic Keyboard was last uh, released last year, so I've been using it since then, and I use it fairly frequently to do work on. Because because yeah, you've got that massive display, you've got split screen apps and stuff like that, and you've got a full mouse you know trackpad support and all that stuff now. So when you're actually in apps, a lot of the time I forget that I'm on a, a tablet. I just feel like, you know, I'm just doing my work. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely be a lot on that Which going again forward.
0: Again, leaves us in that space where you're like, yeah, it's kind of like a laptop. Oh yeah. And you've got this whole laptop OS <laughs> going on over there. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> they've also added in 5g yes. for the first oh, yeah. time on an iPad. And I'd be all, I, I don't think, you know, we're going to see this this year, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't write it off completely that, you know, uh, everyone wants to have was it software as a service or or subscription-based um models where they can um and yes SaaS and we've seen apple trying to do that with you know um apple fitness plus and and all of these other things and you know that they even mentioned was it apple podcast subscriptions which sounds like a mess um but i could you know instead of having locally run mac apps on an ipad why don't they introduce a subscription oh, no. service don't where them you cloud idea. streaming that? Please, please stop Nobody, no. shut this down Mac? right now? Oh, Nobody listens to this idea. This terrible. Apple, do not listen. <laughs> Mac OS Plus. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, I hope not. I'm calling it now. Oh, Like like Shadow, but Mac OS. Yeah. That was kind of my thought.
0: Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> um, no, I mean, not, you know, not to loop back too much to that software side, but I do feel like they have walk themselves into a corner with this really stubborn fixation on Macs are never touch screen, mm-hmm. iPads never do Mac stuff. <laughs> and we've seen Microsoft, right. you know, try and bridge the gap between tablets and, and Windows PCs. And it was ropey along the way, don't get me wrong. There are a few years of terrible Windows tablets and still a lot of bad ones. But particularly with the Surface line, they've pushed that and tried to figure out ways to make it work nicely. And they're well-suited now to this mid-ground where you have two-in-ones and things. And Apple just feels like it's still stuck in this kind of weird two walls where it's iPads and MacBooks are getting closer and closer together, but there's just this sharp software divide. Um, and because of that touchscreen line, I think they're in a tough spot because they can't gently cross that gap in the way that Microsoft was able to gently bridge the two. They just have to all of a sudden say, yes, Mac support touchscreen now, because otherwise it doesn't work.
2: They couldn't do that without a you major have have redesign. redesign. Like, yeah, you have to. Yeah, redesign exactly. Macros.
0: It's. They, keeping them separate for so long, I think has just left them in this position now where they clearly want to bring the hardware together from a chipset side, but they've just, how do you bring the software together? Because they've purposefully been kept very far apart for a very long time. And I think they're going to have a ropey couple of years software-wise of trying to figure out how to fix it. I mean, that. what would be
2: nice is is kind of when it's docked to the, the keyboard, the Magic Keyboard track, whatever you want to call it, that you do get a full version of Mac OS. And then once you pull it off, it switches into iPad OS. Yeah. That's, that, that to me yeah. seems great. Yeah. But...
1: So we're talking about a Surface Book.
0: Oh kind of. <laughs> like I said, the surfaces have gone good. Like they're good at that stuff yeah. now. Microsoft figured it out. It was bad at first, but it's good now.
1: Um, yeah, God, the Windows keyboard, touch keyboard was absolutely <laughs> diabolical when they first made that jump. It was absolutely atrocious. They've done wonders in improving that experience.
3: Yeah. Uh, Windows RT was just an April Fool's. So. Oh yeah, let's not put that <laughs>
0: But maybe it's a good chance to uh, jump away from the iPad Pro and talk about some of the other stuff that Apple launched, because there are a few other things that are worth covering, at least in brief. Um, I think the other big one is the iMac, um, which I know has been. I mean, okay, so the big thing is it's an iMac with the M1 chip. Again, same chip as before. Uh, The other big thing is that has meant a comprehensive physical redesign. Apple was very keen to emphasize how thin they were able to make it because of the chip because they don't need all the bulky cooling stuff that comes with using Intel's chips. Um, The design has been kind of controversial, and I know for a fact we have some disagreement on the team, Mm -hmm. because I know some people on the team do not like the design. I think it looks really nice, and I've slowly begun to realize I'm in a distinct minority (laughs) in the tech journalist sphere for thinking they've done a really good job.
3: I did that thing that I pretty much do with like a lot of Apple products, and during the keynote, where I'm like, "Ooh, I love it!" Like you know, it looks similar to the some of the renders that we saw ahead of the event. Yeah. And then the next day after I'd, you know, because I got distracted so writing it. Well, <laughs> it was one of those things where like I was covering the iPad Pro, so I just started writing about that, and then looked more closely the next day and then was like oh it's only really the back yeah. that i like because of the strong bold, like color mm-hmm. i don't like the white bezel i don't like the pastel like two-tone color yeah um i quite like how thin it looks even though it doesn't need to yeah. um and the fact that that pushes the headphone port mm-hmm. to the side um because it's not thick enough to have the uh, <laughs> headphone jack out coming out the back and ports on the sides of all in ones are always better than ports on the back um but yeah i would have to use it from the back not <laughs> with that i mean <laughs> i i like the front difference. i don't see
0: why white bezels are such a problem i quite like the two tone i like the pastel colors i, I think the, um, the the white the I problem with the white bezel different.
2: is that there's also going to be a black bezel because it's not, I mean, even in the renders, you can see a slight black line around the edge of the display. So I imagine that's going to be a little bit thicker right. in real life. So you're going to have screen, black bezel, then white bezel, then pastel edge. And it just... I yeah. just think
3: it draws attention to this, the the bezel. Like you don't really want like, you know, we have all these infinity edge, whatever, you know, marketing term they put on an edge going yeah. all the way to the bezel. Like uh, the Dell I'm using here has basically that and it's really old. But you can't really see it because the the bezel between the edge of the screen and the actual metal is black. So it's just invisible. I do
0: think that is a conscious choice here, though. And I get why other people don't like it. But I think, A, they are purposely trying to not make it look like Windows all in ones Where, again, a lot of what people are going for is disappearing edges. You don't really notice the thing you're looking at. It's just all screen and that's all you get. Apple don't want that. They want you to look at it and remember you're looking at an iMac. So they need something on the front that like looks iMac-y and looks, you know, distinctly distinctly Apple. Um I think it's a good thing they didn't slap a big logo on the chin. But I think that's why you get the big chin and the color and that's why you get the bezels because it looks different. Um it calls to mind all those old colorful um uh, Macs yeah. from years ago. Um sure. and it just feels very it feels to me very Apple and, and in a kind of playful way that's consciously doing something a bit different to other tech.
3: I do get that it's a bit more like, yeah, it's a bit more fun and sort of family friendly and stuff. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with the 27-inch, whether that yeah. will have black. I think and, I think that's going to be... And possibly yeah. not even come in colours. That'll probably just come in, you know, the sort of grey and sort of silver so. and space grey or something, you know, those kind of ones. I think ones. people still know about the chin, but it'll be otherwise, yeah. I think yeah. The,
2: the white face on this the front might be a callback to the old max because i'm looking at pictures of the older max mm. now and they all have the white yeah, yeah. as well so they're
0: all white and then colors and yeah. I, I think yeah. it's very consciously calling back to that stuff if maybe if they, i had one of those i'd be more
3: excited <laughs> about it yeah. i bought one of those for 30 quid at <laughs> a second hand sure store does. when i was at college
2: and i have no yeah. idea where it is now but i really need wow. to find it somewhere <laughs>
3: Well,
1: they showed us like the actual like uh, the motherboard, I guess, if you will, is really just as tall and not even as broad as the bottom chin. Yep. Like that's where it sits. Most of the inside of the thing is, I guess, cavity for the speakers slash thermals, and yeah. that's kind of it. I, I, I would have. I've I've seen them, you know, with their external monitors that they used to sell before the XDR reality display. Um, they had thin ish bezels all there all the way around with the tiny little yeah. Apple logo. I would have much rather even-sized bezels, and they put the actual motherboard or whatever you want to call it now in either the neck or the base, kind of more like the surface. What's the That's surface the studio? Studio, studio that yeah, yeah, kind of that idea. But obviously, being Apple, it would have been super thin anyway. Yeah. Um, I think that would have been the better call. The
3: studio just, also has a really nice like hinge, so you can. Oh, the neck is yeah, nice. Yeah, you you can, it's cool. It's clever. You can adjust the screen in height as well as tilt.
1: But again, that's because they they have let into touch even on that, yeah. so it has to go down where it's iMac is still no touchy. Yeah, that is different. <laughs>
3: um,
0: yeah, I can see why people don't like it. I think I think it I think it looks memorable, and I think it looks unique, mm-hmm. and I think so often that is what Apple will prioritise in its design language is to look yeah. not like what everyone else is doing. So I do feel like the comparison to the Windows equivalent slightly misses the point because they don't they don't want it to look like Microsoft's thing because then you won't be able to tell that it's apple's thing when you look at it.
1: I guess it was true of the original and the G4 as well, you know, the weird one with the domed CPU and the kind of spring yeah. arm. Is that they just they weren't necessarily more attractive than I mean some of them they were more attractive than some Windows computers of the time. But they just yeah, like you say, they just stood out in a way that is unforgettable. Yeah. And I guess that is what these are too. Um
0: yeah, so I yeah, it, I like it. I get why people don't anyway they are there's only one size right 24 inch um actually, which yeah. kind of weirdly sits in between what we used to get 21 and 27 um i think going to 24 is the right move mm. although I so still want that one. does leave yeah i mean it still leaves that space <laughs> for what what does the bigger one in look context. like people are sort of thinking what well, you know does that mean that'll actually be a sort of 30 in or something um will that have a souped up version of the m1 i know there's a lot of people hoping for an m1x at some point yeah. things like that
3: um but we'll kind of seems like they're waiting to to bring that with the m1x or an m2 right
0: yeah i think that will come with um some next gen version of the chipset and that will also come with the uh the next macbook pro the the larger size macbook pro and stuff like that for that kind of proper sense of uh, professional tier
3: stuff um it is a shame the webcam which is now 1080p doesn't have face id Because they've prioritised Touch ID in the keyboard, which apparently doesn't even come with the cheapest model.
0: Yeah, that That keyboard. That is an odd move. Touch ID in the keyboard is cool. The lack of Face ID in a camera that, uh, if they can fit it in an iPhone, I'm pretty sure they should be able to squeeze it into that top level of an iMac.
1: I imagine it's was centre stage an iPad thing Uh, or an iPad.
0: So yeah, that was an iPad thing, which we did forget to say. Um, So that is yeah worth saying. Um, They've upgraded the iPad Pro with a wide angle. Uh, front-facing camera, and then this tech called Center Stage that we've seen it before in other products, just I don't think we've seen There's it like in a tablet. It's like Facebook but Portal. And one of the Amazon Echoes the, does it as well. The Echo Show 10. Thank you. Yeah. But basically it, it crops into the camera so that then it can pan while like following you around the room. What it's actually doing is just keeping the camera static and showing you a different bit of the image um, <laughs> and, and cropping in and moving where the crop is. But still, it's cool and it's clever and uh, it's it's a smart way to sort of make that tech. For me, work that's forward, that's one of my favorite it's, it's features definitely not...
2: for the new model because I'm always yeah. on FaceTime and it's just annoying because it, yeah, it's such a static angle on, on the, the tablet when I'm moving around, you know, just having to just move the iPad around the whole time is a pain. So yeah, for yeah. me, I'm not that, like, That's definitely that generally... one of the
0: bits of this that we will absolutely see roll out on every iPad Apple announces for the next while. Because oh, yeah. while it makes sense for a pro model for your teleconferencing and stuff, like, it it makes sense for every iPad, and they will absolutely try and pitch this as a thing iPads do that rivals don't.
1: I was genuinely genuinely holding out hope for this, uh, for uh, I guess you could call it AI eye redirect or something mm. like that, where it would make your eyes look like they're looking at the camera when they're not. They're supposed to have that already. <laughs> That's what I was actually expecting. Them to they're supposed to have it. it just, it's like, supposed to feature. do that,
2: but it doesn't. Like it doesn't work. There's there's an option in the settings menu that says you know like correct eye um, eye contact. And it's Lies. just a big old lie. Lies. I've
0: got to admit, I find that stuff a bit creepy. I quite like. Hey, it it's super having creepy. It. But, just staring
1: uh, into the camera yeah, the whole time. It's like Snapchat Lies. filters
0: give you a big smile when you're not smiling. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what else did they announce? Um, updated Apple TV A-Tex. 4K. Uh yes. I'll admit, Lewis, I completely yes. tuned out for that. Oh. I have no idea what is new <laughs> in the Apple TV 4K. <laughs> What is new? A new remote. remote. Basically a remote Yeah, control. I mean, that yes. is that
2: is the long and short of it, is the big thing is this, this redesigned remote. And do you know what? I think it's so ugly. Like, I couldn't believe that they showed that. <laughs> I couldn't, like, I was like, oh, this no. looks like a remote from 10 years ago. But I get it, because the Siri remote that came with the old Apple TV, it looks really nice, but it's so terrible to use on a daily basis it was awful
0: just i had a girlfriend who had one and i was trying function. to like navigate her apple tv with it and i wanted to throw the thing out the bloody window and you <laughs> broke up yeah yeah it was just not go. good enough <laughs> that was actually <laughs>
2: remote that's Deal what breaker. happens i mean there are ways around it you got like tap <laughs> services and stuff like that of swipes but the whole thing was a yeah. mess so they were like Do you know what let's just scrap it let's go back to the normal buttons and there is still touch um, sensitivity around that big dial so you can scrub through mm-hmm. TV shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and there are going to be swipe gestures still, so that'll be used for that. But yeah, everything else is physical buttons, so it's easier to find without looking at the remote, and they've moved the Siri button to the side to emulate the iPhone as well. Crazy! Mm-hmm. Like uh, I favorite. mean, I think the main thing, really, <laughs> apart from the remote, is the fact that they've upgraded the chipset. Uh, so it's got the A12 Bionic mm-hmm. on it, uh, up from the A10 that's on the current Gen 1. Uh, yeah. Um, and that's probably that's just good news for people that like to play Apple Arcade because the 4K model that's out now cannot play Apple Arcade games yeah. at all. So,
1: yeah. What was the output frame rate of the it's old one? Do 4 k Because know one of the things as well is... It's is still 4K60. 60. 60, right. Because it's HFR now, right? With HDR content. Uh, it well, do, it does HDR
2: up to 60 frames. It doesn't do the 120 hertz support that HDMI 2.1 offers. Oh. So it's still stuck at oh, 60 hertz. Right. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, oh, you can do sixty hertz HDR ten now, whereas before it's thirty.
0: I, I do still think that Apple TV remains like pretty consistently the worst thing no. Apple makes from a hardware perspective. It's always no. the thing that just feels like it lags behind everything else on the market and doesn't really justify itself. It's
1: crazy because it was there before and they had such a. They good, literally like, had like, Netflix, yeah,
2: lead YouTube time with all it. A bit for years and then didn't do anything. But I mean, I I I use it literally every day. It's my go to as soon as I turn my TV on, I'm on the Apple TV because it's got AirPlay and it's got basically all the streaming apps that I use. So I'm just like, yeah, it does the job for me. Um, I'm looking forward to the color calibration thing, a color calibration thing as well using your iPhone, which is pretty cool. So you just stick your iPhone up at your telly, it'll run through some colors and it'll make it look
0: pretty. Everyone I've seen who's had the chance to try that has posted pictures of showing TVs that look exactly the same on either side. And I know, like, photos then (laughs) compressed on Twitter is hard to say, but they've also themselves said, This is really cool, but it didn't change a thing. The TV looks the exact same before and after. (laughs) I don't know if that's because it's all tech journalists who already have immaculately calibrated TVs. I don't Uh, have a very good TV, so I'll be able to tell you. (laughs) Uh,
1: Apparently that feature as well spans back to the Apple TV HD, not just the 4K ones. Yeah, it's rolling out as TVs
2: 14.5 next week.
1: But even less of a reason that this
0: one is the one to buy. (laughs) It's only for playing Apple Arcade. And then the final... Yeah. Final meaningful hardware upgrade. I think someone excitedly shouted it out a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> but uh, AirTags, AirTags exist. Finally, <laughs> they're a Only thing. it's
1: been like rumored forever, and we finally have it. I'm just like relieved that we don't have to like say they might it release AirTags really exist.
0: We can all stop talking about AirTags forever Thank now. Thank um, Because it is a tile. It's it's a tile with um, the ultra wide bandwidth stuff, but that just means it's a Samsung Galaxy Tracker Smart Tracker Plus or whatever they called their thing that um, yeah. also had the same tech. Uh, it doesn't do anything that doesn't already exist in the market, but it has an Apple logo on it. Um, it is, I will say this for them, refreshingly not crazy overpriced. Yes. Uh, no? It's pretty competitive, and, and that's um, yes. nice. And then they've obviously taken this step to try and incorporate rivals into Find My, which is sort of i've seen mixed responses to some people think that's great because it's not trying to lock all apple users into the air tags it's you know open to the fact that many apple users already own tiles and chipolos um tile is very unhappy <laughs> about it and is uh, you know uh, trying to get them on antitrust stuff i just uh, yeah i don't know it's a mess. We'll see what happens. I think Tiles being a little overdramatic. Yeah. Um, Apple's response to the Tile complaint is kind of they already have ninety percent of the market share, um, so I think they're probably okay. And I do <laughs> and still now, think that is the case. Surely
2: the the, the Find My network is going to be way more far-reaching than the Tile one because just for the simple fact of the matter, you need the Tile app on your phone, and you don't need anything else for the Find My network. It literally will just use an iPhone that's yeah. nearby. So surely. You know, a wider footprint to track things is a good thing for your accessories, not a bad thing. But whatever.
0: I think there's questions about how it would work, how the two are interoperable. That mm. I, you know, whether it can run both. Or I think Tile were complaining about having to make people choose between them, and right. so I, I feel like there was maybe some sense that you couldn't, it couldn't use both at once. But I, I'm not sure. Um I know
1: Tile used to be on sale in in the Apple like physical Apple stores, and I think online. Uh, I wonder whether that's changed <laughs> or is going to change. It's probably. Not I think, think it
0: also just. That that may well change. I think it also taps into that problem we've seen complaint we've seen from other people, which is uh, the complaint about running through, it all comes back to the App Store again and again, but having subscriptions through the App Store where Apple takes a cut, mm-hmm. but Apple also makes a competitor to your own product. So TAR has a subscription plan that if you subscribe to it through your iPhone app, then Apple will take a cut of that. But apple also run their own and this is again this, this complaint spotify has which is apple takes a cut of all apple spotify subscriptions but apple also runs its own spotify rival so they're like taking money from spotify in two directions at once and that's kind of the same the same worry tile has i think that they're having to hand money to apple in in, in two directions
2: you could go down yeah. the ring route
1: to apple's
0: credit wasn't expecting
1: a removable no, battery that was nice mm. like that's but I mean, at the same
2: time they couldn't do this huge environmental push and then be like, throw this away in a year's time and yes. buy a new one. Yes. It's fine, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I was, I, I mean, I was kind of hoping for a MagSafe kind of charging solution because it's the right shape for like an Apple, oh, you cool. know, like an Apple Watch charger yep. type thing. So just slap it on the Apple Watch charger, yeah, and yeah, then that's also sure. helping the environment. But yeah, I mean, user replaceable batteries is but definitely yes, a great the, thing,
3: yeah, that, that would probably make it quite a bit bigger. Yeah, that's a good point, yep, yeah, I yeah think that's for a done. coil and
1: all that stuff, yeah. And it was it IP67, yep. mm-hmm. dust and water, yep. which is pretty good. It's like, I think, a meter of water for 30 yep. minutes or something like that. Fresh nice. water.
0: And it's only $450 to get the hand-stitched leather Hermes <laughs> luggage tag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, already seen accessory makers like Belkin have got third-party, like, loops and cases yeah, uh, for it. I know Apple yeah. did its own, and obviously there's these Hermes ones, which are like four four million pounds one of the
0: even <laughs> setting aside the the sort of luxury hermes thing which is its own market and whatever uh there is the funny note that you know i praised apple for being quite competitive with the pricing of the AirTag, but it does mean that their official accessories for the air tag tend to cost more <laughs> than the air tag like if you buy one of the official <laughs> apple cases for it that will cost more than the tag itself uh, which again is incredibly apple i love them oh, for yeah. it uh, we have spent so, lot, so long talking about the Apple event, so I think we do have to move on. Um, so let's head on to the Huawei Mate X2, which I wish I had here with me, but Huawei only let me have it for exactly seven days. Uh, I think they actually just timed mine. the courier to arrive like at the same time that he had originally
3: dropped <laughs> oh, wow. the phone off. You, you mean there he wasn't a man standing outside your flat for like yeah, seven days? <laughs> <laughs> Counting. But no, so I got to spend a week with the Huawei
0: Mate X2, which, uh, to recap, is the foldable that they launched earlier this year. It is, for now at least, the fanciest, schmanciest, most expensive foldable phone on the market. Uh, The equivalent, it's only available in China. The equivalent price is about $2,800, $2,700 and about £2,000. Chinese prices are always cheaper as well. So even if it did launch in the west which it won't it would probably be closer to two and a half grand in the uk three three and a half grand in the us if, if it ever got a release um so that's the kind of scale we're talking about that is coming up on double the price of the galaxy z fold 2 it is premium 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 um, it also makes it really hard to review because this is a phone <laughs> that fundamentally anyone watching this is not going to buy Uh, it's ruinously expensive. It's only available in China anyway, so you'd have to import it. And of course, like any modern Huawei device, it doesn't have Google. So it's kind of funny one to assess. I'm still in the process of putting together my written review. I have no idea how I'm going to score it, factoring that stuff in mind, because it is very hard to really (laughs) assess a phone that no one in their right mind is really going to go and purchase. It's um, a a status symbol. It's a luxury item. But it is so cool. (laughs) It is really, really cool. Um, I spent, you know, the week just sort of marveling at how how great this tech is and how fantastic the hardware experience is. Uh,
1: an important question for me, maybe actually more so, Lewis, is how crunchy is that hinge?
0: This is the question. It's not crunchy. Yeah, Ooh. the whatever crunch Gives. we had on the XS has been decrunched. Um, I, I admit I didn't sort of hold my ear right up to the hinge, but um, you didn't need <laughs> did to on test. the on the on the XS no, to It was to terrifying. Hear that there was something grinding in there. Uh, no, very, very smooth hinge action. I mean, obviously it's it's completely redesigned because the, the mate X and the mate XS were outward folding displays. This is now an inward folding one, basically the same form factor as, as Samsung and now with Xiaomi's Mi Mix fold as well. So the whole hinge, I presume they have just rebuilt again from scratch. So whatever was going on last time is, is not present this time. Um, yeah, this is a lovely piece of hardware. I think the most interesting bit from a hardware design perspective maybe is that um, that tapered edge we've talked about where one side is thinner than the, the other. have the
1: ergonomic benefits that they were kind of trying to push yeah. when they unveiled Genuinely, it? Did yeah. It feel, did I, it feel better for it? Yes, yeah.
0: well, I'll say yes and no. I think... It definitely makes a difference when it's closed. I don't know if there are other better solutions right. to get what they want it to get to, but the point they were trying to get to is when it closes, the two screens touch. It is, you know, properly sealed. Mm. Um, every Samsung foldable I've had, when you close it, there's still a gap. And you are aware you have two bits that have been pushed close to one another. This, I think uh, Ben who writes for XDA Developers, put it best. like When this closes, it feels like one phone. This feels like one piece of hardware. Oh, that's cool. It feels compact. You don't, you can't squeeze the bits, the the two sides together any further. You don't feel like there's a gap between that you're pressing on. It feels totally solid when it's shut, which has a huge impact just on how nice it is to use uh, one-handed when you have it shut and when you're just using it as a closed phone. It feels like an admittedly quite heavy and thick normal phone. Does that um, not make you slightly well, worried
2: about the debris and stuff like that that could get trapped inside it when you are folding it? Because if there is no gap, it's just going to really squash that together and, and, you know, the potential to cause scratches on a three grand phone is a little bit worrying.
0: Yeah. Um, I think generally, I mean, if you had anything big enough or pointy enough to scratch the screen, definitely you'd worry. Um I, yeah, I don't know. I, with all this stuff, you worry. This is the most careful I've been with a phone in forever. I've was, you know, i I've spoken before about how when I was using the Galaxy Z Flip, I felt like that was pretty robust. And if I dropped it, I wouldn't really be too worried. I didn't have that feeling here, but it's hard to say if that's because it was less more fragile or if it's just because I was aware it's very expensive and there's like two of them in the country. Oof. And it would be a really embarrassing email to Huawei if I told <laughs> them I broke their phone. Um how
1: how was the internal display in terms of like uh i mean it was it was most prominently brought to light with the original galaxy fold yep. but you know that's a, a po led i guess display a plastic display yep. it's obviously not glass uh in any real sense yeah they're um, not they're not taking the samsung
0: um, line of pretending it's
1: glass <laughs> stick <laughs> um, or anything like that yeah exactly so uh, did it feel um, like a solid enough surface like that it was responsive? Or did you feel like your finger was kind of mushing into the surface, which I feel has been the case with previous foldables? Like There's
0: that. still a little bit of the mushy, but basically only on the central hinge. You know, that's still... And can you see the seam as well with the
1: pixels and stuff? Or is, have they done a good job? Of so that?
0: basically on this one, it, it's still there a bit, but it's way better. I'd say on the whole, using the internal yeah. screen, it feels pretty solid. I still think you can tell it is not a glass panel. You can tell it's not got that same solidity sure. as the front. But it doesn't have that slight mushiness we've had on the other foldables, except in the central hinge bit where inevitably there is a gap underneath. So it's going to be a bit mushier. Um, visibility the hinge as well and like the feel of it. Again, it's there. If you're looking for it, it will, you know, you will find it, you will spot that. But even trying to photograph it, it was a real challenge trying to line up shots where I could make that central seam visible. Um, and I think for me, It's something that after use, over the time of using it, I stopped noticing as much. The caveat I'll give is when I was taking this out and and hanging out with friends and sort of saying, hey, look, what I've got this week, I'm playing around with this cool foldable phone. uh, I'll give you two caveats. One is the initial response from almost everyone was, what is that? Why is it so big? That's so stupid. Uh, Why would anyone (laughs) want that? Not the, not the response Ew. I was looking for, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I think that was from the non-techie crowd, people were just bemused by it. They were like, what is the point of that? Why does your phone need to be a tablet? Um, but several people were like, oh, that scene would really bother me. I can see the crease in the middle. Um, and again, right. my take is within the first day, I stopped noticing and I stopped caring. But it was still a thing that everyone else seemed to spot first time and be like, oh, it's definitely got a crease in the middle, doesn't it?
1: And um, the other thing you shared on social was a couple of shots taken on the camera. And, uh, you know, with the Z Fold uh, 2, the camera setup definitely felt like kind of an afterthought in terms of like the list of priorities that they were kind of pushing yep. marketing wise with like what the what the Z Fold 2 is about. I know it's like social media and it's compressed on Twitter and whatnot, but like the camera quality didn't look terrible, better than I was expecting. So the
0: camera here is very good. I it Again, it is that different approach. Samsung... To keep costs i mean it seems funny to talk about keeping costs down Down. in a phone that was still the best part two grand in the the fold two but yeah like the the Z fold two camera is not as good as the like s20 ultra or s21 ultra you know they they didn't put their best camera in huawei did put their best camera in here this is as good as you'll get on any other like huawei top-end flagship on the like the pro and pro plus devices um Cool. You're getting one of the big 50 megapixel RYYB sensors as the main thing. Uh, there's an ultra wide, a three times zoom and a 10 times periscope zoom. And both of the zooms have OIS uh, as does the main camera. So there's three OIS lenses on here. Uh, plus then the selfie camera on the front. Uh, and worth saying, there's no, uh, you may have seen in the, in the images, there's no selfie camera in the inside the phone. And um, that does mean you can't take video calls on the big screen because there's no camera there so if you um. want to video call people you can only do it with the phone closed but it does mean you get a completely unbroken internal display and none of that awkwardness on the z-fold of like where do we put the camera because you can't put it in the middle because that's where the hinge is so you have to put it like three quarters along and it looks a bit weird weird um but
1: can you do selfies with the big cameras using the
0: external display um do you, you know i didn't try um i think you should be able to i think they talked about that before but you know i didn't actually try that um anyway the camera is great yeah i mean the pictures i was showing off on twitter were of the 10x periscope cause it's actually the first 10x periscope camera i've had to play around with uh i think i've had the five times ones but not 10 times you know and i was just enjoying the fact that i could sit on my sofa and take a zoomed in shot of my record collection and read the spines on my records on the That's other side so of the amazing. room um, or even the spines of my Blu-rays down the hallway with no windows in that hallway and no lights on, so it was pretty dim down there. And it was still sharp enough. So I've just
2: dropped uh, um, to, one of the ten times up. samples over the stream, so people can see the quality of the ten times that we're getting from it. It's really nice.
0: Nice. Yeah, they, it's genuinely been very impressive. It's obviously got that same thing where once you like max out to, I can't remember if the max is hundred times or hundred and twenty times or what. Once you hit that, it's a watercolor. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. up until that, the periscope is, is fantastic. And the camera on the whole is, is very, very strong. Um, yeah, it is that kind of situation fun. where this is one of the best cameras you're going to get in a, in a phone these days in a way I didn't push the camera as hard as I normally would, because as like, I said, I knew this review is a bit different because people aren't really looking at buying this thing. So I wasn't quite as rigorous in my low light <laughs> sample taking as I would normally be, cause I was like, well. I don't really need to break down the precise performance compared to some other stuff. Um,
1: I guess it's like, does the two and a bit grand foldable have usable cameras or not? Yes or no. That's fundamentally all they need to know. Right. And it's
0: yeah, it's not just usable. <laughs> it's at the end of the day, if you like a Huawei camera setup, and I think we all do, it is as good as the ones you'll get on, on like the mate 40 pro or whatever. Um, cool. I mentioned before it's a Huawei phone. That does mean you have all the Google headaches and those haven't gone away. Um, they are getting better app gallery is getting better they're getting more and more apps even this week they announced withings uh, has joined app galleries you can get if you have withings um health tech you, you the app to match but it is still the case that there's just headaches there i forgot to back up my contacts onto my sim card and i normally have my contacts with google so i had a week with no contacts on my phone um when did i last
1: back up my sim my contacts on my yeah, exactly SIM? Oh my God, <laughs> you know
0: wow <laughs> like what We used to do 10 years ago, but actually having it all backed up with Google, I got there and I was like, oh, I, I'm sure there's a way for me to get my contacts onto this phone, but I cannot be bothered. I'm only on it for a week. I don't want to spend two hours figuring out what that workaround yeah. is. Um, lots of apps that just don't work. Um, some that you will be able to install, but that still won't run because they use Google Google services for login and things like that. Um, so there are all those little headaches. It still feels like you, if you're in the West, it's very hard to use. This as your only phone. Um but it's, it is getting better. But I can see why they didn't bother releasing this one because, um, you know, th- they did release the Mate XS in, in, in the UK at least. And it halved in price within a couple months because I think it was just, uh, you know, it's too expensive. people aren't going to drop two grand on a phone that doesn't run Google. Yeah. It's uh, unfortunate, but it's true. It's not Huawei's fault. Um, but there it is.
1: With the way things are, do you expect Huawei to continue down the route of making the foldables of this kind of form factor just their ultra exclusive premium device, or are we going to be seeing a more affordable Huawei foldable now like the Z
0: Flip? So there was actually a leak the other day that I admit I didn't dive into in detail, but I think it was saying that Huawei is rumoured to be working on three foldables for next year, uh, mm. including cheaper ones. So I think they okay. are... You know, I, that's all unconfirmed. But I think they are going to be trying to bring bring prices down. I think they've got to now because Xiaomi's done the Mi Mix mm-hmm. fold, which is half the price of this. And at least within China, like that's suddenly, you know, meaningful competition for them. And I think they need to have something at that kind of price tier that matches the Mi Mix fold. I suspect they'll stick with this rough form factor. I'd be kind of surprised if we see them do a clamshell one too soon. But who knows? yeah but yeah this is a a lovely phone i was very sad to see it go even if i had to keep using two phones all week because i had this phone um (laughs) but yeah you're not gonna buy it but this is proof that when huawei wants to throw a load of money at the wall it can still make the best hardware out of anyone out there um you know i i didn't review the Galaxy Z Fold 2 but this definitely beats it from a pure hardware perspective from what i can see uh it's as always that software side just means it is a bit of a pain and a bit of a frustration um and then i guess the other note on that is harmony os which they were saying would roll out in china in april i don't know if that's still the case because there's not much of april left um they said it would be the the mate x2 that would actually get it first to try out so i was really hoping they would drop that over the last seven days and i would get to install harmony os and try it out but it did not happen so i don't know what that's going to be like and obviously we have no idea how much that will fix their various software woes i suspect it won't make a huge difference for the west at least um because it still won't have google which is fundamentally all it comes down to but yeah um lovely 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 phone you shouldn't buy one
1: (laughs) 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 so you're still gonna get a z flip is that yeah um,
0: the z flip is only 700 quid on amazon at the moment Oh, it's I nearly, I nearly hit hit the button, <laughs> so close. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so close. So um, close. Chris, let's turn to you. You have been trying out the OnePlus Watch, uh, which I mentioned yes. briefly on the show last week. Because when we came on air last week, Chris had only just received the watch; he hadn't had any time with it yet. But other people had had their reviews out because there was a bit of a delay in our shipment, so we got our watch a bit later than some other publications. It is fair to say the first wave of reviews were quite bad. I think Wired gave it 3 out of 10. Ooh. I think Gizmodo called it the worst smartwatch ever. Um, I Just in general, I think the best score I saw was an 8. And mostly it was things range, kind of around 5s and 6s, which for OnePlus is, is damning. Is it as bad as that?
3: Not in my experience. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, that was odd. Like I saw the Gizmodo one saying it's the worst smartwatch ever. I gave that like a quick skim. I was like, "Whoa, this is like not ready to release, yeah. like let alone review." And then also saw like T three saying this is a great stylish alternative to an Apple Watch. Yeah. It's like what's the same device? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've had. A, uh, I think I've had an experience so far sort of somewhere in the middle okay it's sort of got some quirks going on but um a lot of it's perfectly good perfectly fine what quirks have you Do you had? mean quirks like bugs
1: yeah. or yeah quirks like just weird decisions on quirks
3: um so i should probably show you it's it's here i'll take it off it's got <laughs> everything's <a> slightly, backwards <laughs> yeah it's got a slightly odd strap where you push it Push this little sort of uh, knobbly bit through the the hole at the right size, and then the rest of the strap tucks inside. It sounds like the Apple Watch, which is kind of odd. Does the same thing, yeah. I don't really like Uh, it. So you sort of push it in there, mm -hmm. and then it sort of pinches your skin while it's trying to like go round. (laughs) Anyway, it's very um, difficult to give a straight face. Just gonna get a time code for our no context channel, like (laughs) yeah, I was was trying hard, (laughs) knobbly bits all over the Um, place. well let's if we start with the design, it's quite plain like yeah, it, very minimalist. You know, one plus yeah one plus phones have always been instantly recognizable as one plus, and this you know I got this out of the box and was like, yeah. could be anyone could have made this um, and the only indication that it's one plus is it says one plus on wow. the back <laughs> of the top game there. changer <laughs> um <laughs> and very, very small says one plus on that button. But you never well, uh, you, you can't you can barely read it, like let alone it look cool. Um, so
1: the Cobalt Alloy one, the gold one, is the yeah, only I one that would maybe stand it. out because I can't think of maybe, many uh, I've got that on screen at the moment. High really profile gold, gold it it's it's really nice. equally, I can see why um, they didn't
0: want to do one in their like, you know, snazzy one plus blue finishes and stuff like that. Because yeah. it's often the colours yeah. that they, they draw their attention with, and that's maybe harder to pull off on a watch.
3: Mm. Yeah. But like it it looks quite nice. Um, it's not too thick and heavy. Like I think the some of the reviews I've sort of glanced I try not to rev, you know, read reviews while I'm still reviewing something, but you know, because it was so bad I sort of skimmed <laughs> over a couple and some you know, some what people happened? saying it's it's really big and heavy and no I mean I don't I don't think it's that bad oh. compared to some watches I've tested over the years. I will
0: say from my perspective, I obviously haven't seen it in person, but um I'm not really a fan of large watch faces and I do look at that and think that's a much bigger watch than I would ever wear. And I'm
3: surprised they didn't do yeah. two sizes because, yeah,
1: um,
3: yeah. So this is like the four, this is 46 yeah. mil. And like most of the time, if you're doing that, you do a smaller 42 exactly for people with smaller wrists. So yeah, if, if you do have that sort of preference, it's not going to be a good choice. Um, but the, for my wrist it's been sort of perfectly normal how has the tracking um, been so one of the things i saw a lot of complaints were, yeah. we were getting really
0: inaccurate step counts and gps tracking and people saying they sort of went on like runs and it only started bothering to do the gps tracking when they were 15 minutes into their run already and, and
3: things like that yeah mm. um i was just looking through my data before we went live to sort of see what it was saying i haven't really looked on the app that much just been sort of looking on the watch um i haven't done any gps um yet so i need to test that um just because i don't really go running or anything um but i will do that um but yeah some of my step counts are a little bit erratic like mm-hmm. i sort of like like i have a fairly similar routine each day of how far i walk you know with the dog who sort of you know sort of roughly do the same amount of steps each day and there we are there are a couple of days where it's like I'm pretty sure I didn't walk that far. Um but otherwise, like apart from a couple of days, it does seems to be okay. Like definitely nowhere near as bad um as the Gizmodo uh reviewer was having. Mm-hmm. They were saying it was like you know, some days it was saying a hundred steps and some days it was saying fifteen thousand when they hadn't been anywhere. Um so yeah and I haven't used it for sleep tracking yet right because I keep taking it off and forgetting about the sleep tracking <laughs> and then in the morning I ah I didn't leave it on <laughs> So yeah a bit of sort of um like sort of hit and miss some days is fine some days is a bit quirky um and the the heart rate seems to be okay but the blood oxygen quite often won't um do a reading even though I'm like sort of holding it onto my wrist. I, I have to be fair, the, found that, that with several other trackers that right, do SPO2 yeah, yeah.
0: readings.
1: I mean, that was the same with the, you know, that was the big failing of the Apple Watch 6, wasn't it? It was like, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't yep. do it.
0: I think SPO2, however it works, it must be very finicky because, yeah, I've mm. found that with several products. Um, my, my sense of the watch um, from reading the reviews was that, I don't know if I would say some of the reviews were too harsh, maybe, But what it fundamentally, it felt like almost all the problems were software side and it was all stuff that OnePlus, it just felt like the watch maybe wasn't ready and they were pushing it out to reviewers a bit too early and pushing out to market a bit too early. Um, And a lot of the, you know, criticism was stuff that it was fairly clear could get improved and fixed, which Isn't to say you should then not criticize it in a review by any means, but it felt like there was often maybe a lack of acknowledgement that this is almost all stuff that would end up changing. Um, I do admit I get to it with the benefit of hindsight because OnePlus has now announced all the things they're going to change. Um, And they've uh, already put one update out, which is uh, it it says it is improving GPS tracking and step step count tracking, along with the Raise to Wake, which I know some people, some reviewers said. Uh, wasn't reliable and it's also adding app icons for notifications because I think as it is it doesn't give you the icon for the app it just gives you a general notification icon and you can't tell what app is notifying you because they all use the same image which is baffling Um, and it's stuff like that that feels like it's kind of basic and should have been in there and it's weird that it's not Uh, one of my other favorite things that's not in there and it's very specific It, it, it kind of betrays the company a little bit that they're not an American company, because obviously American reviewers complained that it only supports 24-hour clocks. (laughs) And for most people in the world, that's fine, but it's just not a very common thing in the States to use a 24-hour clock. But that's the only option on the OnePlus Watch. So they've said in the future they are, like it's not in this new update, but it will be in a future one, they're going to add the 12-hour time format. Uh, And it's just one of these baffling little things that any other company, it's it's hard to imagine it didn't get through that someone said, we should probably have some 12-hour watch faces rather than all being 24 hours. <laughs> That's hour. mad. But yeah, one of the weirdest little complaints. I, was like, I can to- And I can totally see that if I was reviewing it, I probably wouldn't even clock that. Hun <laughs> not intended. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, because I, I would just use the 24-hour faces, and that would be natural to me. I wouldn't think to switch to a 12-hour one. But I feel for these poor American reviewers, wanting a 12-hour face that they can read intuitively and just be like, wait, there isn't one. What do you mean there isn't
1: one? <laughs> I mean, one plus... Doesn't have a good history with their twelve-hour clocks. Thinking about it, because on earlier builds of Oxygen OS, the on this clock widget on Android, if you had it in twelve-hour, it really bugged me. It always showed the zero before until it was double digits, so it was like zero three. Oh right, yeah, yep. PM, which really <laughs> bugged me. Like I just have it as one <laughs> digit until it becomes it needs yeah, to be yeah. two digits. Otherwise, it looks like three in the morning, and it's just confusing. So I hope that when they add in this this twelve-hour our time time setting, yep. it doesn't do that again because that's just just looks bad. Uh,
0: and w- one of the other little things that they did not have that they are adding in a future update is an always on display, which again is one of those basic things we are like. These days, your smartwatch kind of needs that because you want to be able to look at your watch and see the time. I don't think it's a, that's it's, a rogue it's <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's one of those bizarre situations where you're sort of like, did you know what a smartwatch is supposed to do? Yeah. like, Just have like you the market, no did market you, research. Did you read, like, smartwatches for dummies <laughs> before? And, uh, and this is all made worse by the fact that we've been waiting for this thing for so long. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, those diagrams. Tweet from, like, yeah, 2015 or something. You know, those sketches came out so long ago now that you basically sort of build up, you know, hype. And sort of and that's and Cyberpunk. that's what is so
0: strange about this, because yeah, they've spent it's yeah. actually very s cyberpunk's a good comparison. They've spent years working on this and then they put it to market with a load of flaws, all of which could have been fixed with another couple months of software dev. Like the hardware seems like it's probably fine. Like I, I haven't seen significant complaints yeah. about the hardware beyond people thinking the design's a bit dull and maybe a smaller size would be nice. Um but everything seems to be software problems, and it's all stuff that half of them they've already fixed in this new update and the other ones they already know, and they're going to roll them out over, a, we don't know how long, to be fair, maybe it'll take them months or years to actually get everything out, but pr- hopefully not. Um, you just look, and think, if you spent five years trying to build a smartwatch and struggling with it, why not take another three months at the end to release one that works?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's odd, because I thought when they announced it, I thought it was coming. I thought they were like, oh, the, the phones are coming soon. And then the watch is, I thought it was sort of coming out like autumn. Sort of, that was the sort of implication I got. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh no, it's coming out soon. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. It
0: was an interesting way. It was unveiled alongside the nines, but the nines came out first and there was a real, with the watch, it was a sense of this is coming, but we're not going to tell you when yet. Um, and again, you have to feel like, presumably, presumably what it was is that it was always meant to launch alongside the nines. They realized it wasn't going to be ready in time for that. And then they've had some sort of internal pressure to just get the thing shipped. Um, mm. And it then still got a bit rushed out the door. I guess the challenge they've got is they want to do more phones in, you know, six months on from the nine, so like five months from now, and you don't want it to run too late and run into the same period where you're wanting to hype up the 9T or whatever,
3: but yeah,
0: this just feels yeah. like something that we but- unfinished.
3: Yeah, in terms of the hardware, yeah, it's it's a really nice smartwatch and it, you know, it's it's it's, it's affordable as well. The screen's really nice, mm-hmm. like I've had no trouble reading it outdoors. It, is it responsive? Like yeah, are the, the animations smooth? Yeah, the performance has has been fine generally. The
1: pricing in my head puts it alongside lots of the kind of a Masfit stuff. Yeah. yeah. And no, it definitely they has, work pretty really well, but it, they yes. are a bit like sh- choppy. Yeah. So if this is better than that, I'm surprised it's getting such a bad rap. It, but now I'm learning why yeah. quickly for it, other reasons.
3: It typically has like the feel in terms of the, the build and, and, you know, the quality of the hardware and, and the way it runs of a much more expensive watch. And the battery life's amazing. I haven't charged it up since I got it and it's only on like 50%. Um, I haven't done any crazy GPS, you know, running with it and stuff yet, but yeah, I am like a, a lighter user, but I, it is, it is much longer lasting than, than some rivals. So they've got the hardware, right? But It is
0: in that space that we don't really have a good, good terminology for where it's kind of halfway between a smartwatch and a fitness tracker. And we've seen so many things launched in this space. And, you know, we often talk about fitness trackers for the basic Fitbits and the, like the 30 pound, like Xiaomi Mi Band's. And then the Apple Watch is a smartwatch and it does so many more things. But there is this space now of these products in between that look more like smartwatches, will do notifications and a few things, but they won't do a lot of the stuff that an Apple Watch does, um, or, or that a lot of the Wear OS devices will do, because this, this isn't running Wear OS. And that's where the pricing gets murky, because functionally, it doesn't do that much more than a Xiaomi Mi Band. How much is but it? But it's three times the price. It's 150 I believe.
2: Yeah, no, that's that not very
0: tempting. <laughs> yeah, so for me, I look at it and think it only does a couple things that are a Me Band or an Honor Band or an Oppo Band. So many of them out there. Uh, it only does a couple things; those don't. And so I, I'm a bit hesitant about the price, um, because fifty pounds more gets you an Apple Watch SE. I want to say Though I might be getting my numbers wrong. I think wrong. it's the, the Series um, Three you're thinking of. I oh, it gets you the Series 3, okay. the old the old Series 3, but yeah. Yeah, which is still pretty good. Yeah. I think I have a 3. I so it's not
2: much older than that, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like that puts the pressure on this kind of segment, where it's like, well, you're going to get a lot more smart functionality by spending a bit more.
3: Yeah, yeah I suppose what they could have done is, is put some... You know, one plus exclusive features in it. Like oh, oh, we've been advised to use it with the one plus nine, but it doesn't do anything in addition um, to using it with anything else. It's
0: got those cool features with one plus TV, where it will turn the TV off if you yeah. fall asleep and stuff. Yeah. But the TV is only available
3: in India, Um yeah. which yeah. just so we don't even have that. I have yeah, understood so that decision.
2: That TV not, looks yeah. so good. Why is it not available everywhere? Yeah. So good.
3: <laughs> Might be just manufacturing. Yeah, who knows? Um,
0: yeah, so it, it's an interesting one. I think they probably should have gone a bit more expensive, a bit more fully featured, yeah. and made it a bit more of an Apple Watch rival, whereas I feel like part of the problem they've got is they're running up against... it Feature-wise, runs a little too close to products that are a third of the price, and then suddenly you feel like actually you're paying a premium for a OnePlus product, and that has never been the space OnePlus feels at its best in. Um but yeah, I, it definitely doesn't sound like it's you haven't had as bad a time as some other people. So if you are someone out there no. toying with this and you are really worried by all the other reviews, I think this is a sign that maybe it's not as bad as it has been made out to be. And if you are a OnePlus efficient... Or it's fixable. Yeah, and, and again, I think a lot of the problems are there's an update rolling out at the moment. Um, I suspect Chris hasn't had it on his yet because they started rolling out in the US. So that will hopefully improve things. And they've promised several features coming in future updates. So I guess this is a product that will get better. Whether it will get good enough for you is a different question. Uh, That will do us for this week. Uh, A bumper episode driven by us going on about Apple for absolutely ages. Uh, (laughs) So thank you for everyone who has stuck with us through all that. We will be back as ever next Thursday. uh, When I think by then we'll have had the Samsung Galaxy Unpacked where we think they're talking about laptops. So we'll probably talk about whatever Samsung announces there. And I don't know what else. We'll see what the industry throws our way over the next seven days. Cool. Uh, Thank you everyone for watching and listening, and see you all soon. Bye. Bye, guys.